once again into the soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 82. As always, a reminder for you to rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend. We finished second in the World Soccer Talk poll, so thanks to everyone who voted. Congratulations to the Scuff Podcast. Very deserving winners. That was fun. It was fun. Special thank you to the Santa Monica Rugby Club, the club that I uh, I joined when I moved to L.A. and made a lot of good friends. I believe that they were a big part in getting the word out on the voting. And thanks for all those who voted. Got a great show, a little different this time around. Uh, joining me in the business end with the Premier League kicking off action this week, a man who... Uh, has uh, announced his undying support for that league, but he plays a much different sport, or is it that different? Larry Nance Jr. of the New Orleans Pelicans, formerly of the L.A. Lakers and the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Portland Trail Blazers, talks footy with me in the business end. We'll also talk about how the sport is getting bigger amongst those in other sports and why that is a huge gateway to improving the interest of our little sport here, which isn't so little. And uh, Larry's a great guy, and he has been there from the beginning, and you will see what a sophisticated palette he has, in particular for the Premier League. We'll also talk a little bit of World Cup. We'll also give you my top four predictions in England. In England, of course. It's always top four. Or do we give top six? Well, I did top four. Deal with it. Coming up in stoppage time, we will recap what happened at Wembley Stadium as England victorious in the women's Euros in one of the biggest tournaments, one of the best tournaments, maybe the best soccer women's soccer tournament we've ever seen for a variety of reasons. So we will break that down, what it means and what we are looking forward to with regards to the women's game. All that ahead, great to be with you. Let's get started. And we are back. We're getting ready for all the leagues to kick off. There is no denying the excitement. And it's going to be a sprint towards November where everything breaks for the World Cup. That's what we have ahead of it. So buckle in. This is going to be a crazy ride. That's why I was telling people, don't get caught up in these friendlies too much. Because if you're in the industry like me and you're sitting there watching these friendlies uh, and the leagues start for real, you're going to be, whoa, why didn't I take some time off? I did. I was in New Mexico sizing up New Mexico lately, spending some time in Santa Fe, driving up to Taos, sitting by the Rio Grande, popping over in incredible topography. This time of year, it's monsoon season, so it's summer, but it's nice, cool. You know, you're at elevation there in the mountains. Highly recommend paying a trip. If you haven't been to Santa Fe, you will not believe what exists in that little city. (laughs) And you can't have a bad meal. Just great restaurants. So if you're into eating, highly recommend Santa Fe. If you're into exploring, go check it out. And if you're a skier, Taos, fantastic. Although it wasn't skiing season. A little recharge the batteries, though. I try to recharge the batteries a lot more than often. And I would be lying to you if I wasn't sitting there. uh, I was camping a little bit, and I got a signal, and I was watching English Championship games. (laughs) Ah, That's right. I mean, this is going to be inundated. We have England, Germany starting, then Spain's going to start, and then... uh, Obviously, Italy, and there's been so much activity in all these leagues. I, I I think the transfer market has been frustrating for some of the big clubs. You know, Manchester United, uh, Chelsea missing out on a lot of their targets to Barcelona. But you've seen some great additions across the board. 
which should make the European landscape all that much more interesting. Several teams showing their ambition looking to ha- come up. And uh, I mean, it's overwhelming and it's worldwide. I mean, the transfers, not just in Europe, but in Major League Soccer, certainly in South America, have been uh, overwhelming. <laughs> just to put it, to, just to pick a word. A lot that you're looking forward to for the new players. We got to see the Community Shield over the weekend. And Darwin Nunez scoring a goal. Erling Haaland struggling for Manchester City. And it got so bad that people were really criticizing him and saying, oh, this was a mistake. First of all, they got Haaland at a great deal. I mean, for all this time, 100 million, 120 million, he didn't even get near that for the transfer. And it's the community shield. But there's every reason to think that he's going to have some issues. We heard people saying he can't adjust from the German league. Look at all these other players that have come from the Bundesliga and have struggled when coming to England. I don't buy that. Holland's a very special player. But I really am excited about Darwin Nunez as the guy who could be, you know, the next Luis Suarez. The Uruguayan is playing there. It's great South American talent. He has all the pieces. Uh, he has Luis Diaz there. And, of course, Mo Salah. So, uh uh, Liverpool, and we'll talk about the Premier League. We all know it's going to be Liverpool or City. City is just too talented from top to bottom to deny, and especially when they add not just Holland but Julian Alvarez, who is a, don't call him Julian, it's Julian Alvarez. Okay, I hate to do that, but I mean we've already started with this. It's not that hard. So uh, it's a. The transfer market will start to simmer down here. I've got a couple days, and then we can start talking footy. You know, in the big picture of things, it was a very good market for Americans. And um, not all of them. You know, these reports now. John Brooks. Everyone uh, trying to see where John Brooks will end up. And there's a report that he's coming to MLS. I don't think that'll happen. There's San Jose earthquakes. But John Brooks hasn't got a club. And uh, we were wondering if he wasn't the same player they may have been a few years ago. I think that's pretty evident. Because he would still be at Wolfsburg, or he would have found a team. I believe he will end up at a club, a good club, maybe a Premier League or a Bundesliga team, but he won't be a, a starter. He would be support and uh, a bit player, which is not going to help him get to the World Cup, but I don't think he's. I think that ship has sailed, barring some injuries at that position, which could happen. Uh, but other than that, it's been great, and there's a, a, a lot of excitement around some guys also taking that next step with the clubs they were. Yunus Musa is a perfect example. Yunus Musa led, and again, it's preseason, led all Valencia players in minutes. I mean, in a preseason, if that happens, you're going to feature. Remember, he wasn't an everyday starter. But if he becomes an everyday starter for Valencia, that is massive. Weston McKinney's going to start the season injured. So you're looking for these midfield options. We have Luca Della Torre, uh, we would imagine, getting a foot at Celta Vigo, but that's going to be one to watch to see if it keeps going. And Weston McKinney should be back for the World Cup, but you're looking for midfield options. You know, Kellen Acosta's there. We mentioned Delatore. There should be one or two more. Eric Williamson's an interesting one at, at the Portland Timbers. So there's still some positions to be won. But everything that's happening, we mentioned Musa and Delatore. Obviously, Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams, who have had some highlight reel plays at their new club leads. This is going to be tremendous to see those two guys play a bigger and bigger role, it would appear. It looks like Tyler Adams is the guy, and it certainly does that Brendan Aronson is the guy. Jordan Peefock scoring a goal for Union Berlin. 
the guys who went to the championship. I watched it. Zach Steffen at Middlesbrough is a great move because he's going to play and he's he's playing alongside guys who are at his level. It's it's got to be daunting to be at Manchester City. You don't play every time, and then you come in many times a big game like an FA Cup semi-final, and it's how do you keep the pace of it when you're playing against this level of players? I mean, Man City's Man City. This is not a shot against Zach Steffen. Very few guys can take the field for Man City. So Middlesbrough, I, we've already seen signs that he's going to be more comfortable. And they are off and running. Ethan Horvath off and running at Luton Town. Victoria's there. Daryl DK, it's a wait and see. Josh Sargent, a wait and see. But you have to be happy about the width and breadth of it all. So promising start for so many Americans. There are some question marks. Christian Pulisic. And as you'll hear in my conversation with Larry Nance Jr., he's a huge Chelsea fan. Chelsea fan, he is worried that Christian Pulisic will find playing time this season. He asked for a loan move if possible. It was never going to happen. And now that it hasn't, uh, he's not going to start week one. That's something we'll have to keep an eye on. But it would appear, as we talked to Larry, Mount, Raheem Sterling, and Kai Havertz. So Chelsea, who had a big preseason run here in the U.S. They will open the season on Saturday away at Everton. They have a challenging run of the season. So we hope for the best for Christian Pulisic because he is that one big player that we need to get. Tim Way is another one. We need to make sure he is going to be an avid player. We've got to see what happens at the number nine. Jesus Fedeta is still the guy there. Although PFOC is interesting, but we have to see how he fits. Also want to touch on, you know, I, I, before recording this, I j- just watched Luis Suarez take the field for the first time for his boyhood club, Nacional. And it was, remember he was going to go to River Plate, but River Plate just got knocked out of the Copa Libertadores. And that kind of discouraged him because he needs games. He needs games to make the World Cup. So he signed with Nacional, which to me is a huge risk. The positives there is that the national team is based down there, so he will be in contact with them. But Nacional lost their first leg, which was at home, to Atletico Goianense which would mean that Nacional you know, have to win away at a tricky place in Brazil. I don't see that happening. And if they get knocked out of the Copa Sudamericana next week, then you have to ask Luis Suarez, why did this make sense? You're not going to have international competition. You're just going to play league games with Nacional. And how is that going to get you really ready for the World Cup? The Uruguayan League is just not there. It's not. Uh, Nacional is good. Peñarol is good. You get some nice stories from time to time with other teams uh, kind of pushing those two. But, you know, mid-table down, it's not not competitive. And uh, the great Uruguayan players are all playing elsewhere, all of them. And there are some good young players. As soon as they show some some prowess, they're sold. So, I mean, that's Darwin Nunez was a Peñarol player. So I don't know if he's going to get that uh, that playing time. And we will see. This could be a big thing for Uruguay, which I think are one of the the top 10 teams favorite-wise heading that World Cup. So not the start for Luis Suarez that we were hoping to see. But just so much going on. And we're getting ready for the Premier League. We're also getting ready for the Bundesliga. We're going to try and watch as much as you can as all of you do. Our family lives, our personal lives, our work lives are going to take a huge hit because we're watching too much football. But that's the way it goes. And that's why you're here on the Soccer OG 
We'll be back now in the business end to talk to Larry Nance Jr. Ford for the New Orleans Pelicans. It's pretty cool to have an NBA player on our show. I got to tell you. And Larry is a top dude. And we will roll up our sleeves and talk some football and talk some NBA as well. The Soccer OG. Rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend. for the business end and thrilled to have uh, a guest of a little different beat and that is Larry Nance Jr. a forward who uh, is now with New Orleans Pelicans but probably best known for his time with the Lakers my Cleveland Cavs and the Portland Trailblazers you I mean Larry you've uh, hit all all different coasts coasts and regions and time zones yeah now all I need is New York or Boston and I'll, I will have complete you know north south east and west I will have all of them that's fantastic. And uh, you said, I was just talking to you off air. You're heading into your eighth season now in the NBA. And uh, obviously you've seen some really cool stuff. Uh, but what is that? Uh, what were your expectations when you when you came out of college? And obviously you had to work really hard to break in. And I've been able to get some tenure going. Um, honestly, my thoughts were, hey, look, at rookie transition, they tell you every they tell you whenever you go, it's like, hey, the average NBA, the average NBA uh, tenures, four years. So, you know, immediately I'm like, oh, man, I got, I got to make it past four. I have to make it past four. And here I am in year eight. Um, and, uh, hey, none of these young guys are taking my job just yet. So I'm doing all right. <laughs> Do they really tell you that? Hey, by the way, it lasts four years. So if you get, yeah. if you get there, man. They do. They hey, look around the room. You know, there's 60 of you in there. The guys that got drafted, maybe 70 from, you know, maybe 10 guys that got picked up on two ways and whatnot. But they look around the room like in five years, in five years, majority are gone. Probably 15, 20 of you are left. It's it's incredible. And and part of the reason that I wanted to talk to Larry, he's a, he's a huge soccer fan, huge Chelsea fan. And actually I've been on other podcasts with him and his sophistication of the sport is uh, something to behold. You watch a lot. Uh, I watch a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot of soccer. Yes, my wife hates it. <laughs> the good news, this is what I tell my wife, is that by one o'clock you're in the clear. You get it all out, and then you can have a nice lunch. Maybe have some nice evening plans. Keep the lady happy. That's true. Well, now uh, now that I'm out of now that I'm out of the West Coast, I can. Uh, you know, I don't have to wake up at four thirty nice. to be catching those early time zones. So, you know, four, five, you know, six thirty, seven thirty, I can do. Four thirty, no thanks. <laughs> Cle- uh, Larry's a good Cleveland kid, and I was telling him about how I was. I have my allegiances to Cleveland sports because I was born not too far from there. Left when I was five, but I maintain it. I was a huge fan of his dad as well, and and I, it kind of came back to view when I when I saw you uh, tweeting about the sport. And by the way, the West Coast, and you spend time with the Lakers in Portland. It's great mm-hmm. for NCAA tournament. It's great for yes. NFL. It's not great for the Premier League. It's- no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, it's decent decent for NBA games, too. It's yeah. not bad. Yeah. <laughs> we get the East Coast folks uh, complaining sometimes because there's like some late kicks for some MLS games or what have you. And I'm mm-hmm. like, deal with it. Deal with it. But uh, yeah, right. we know. I want people to know that getting up at 4 a.m. is not ideal. And quite frankly, I, I'll, I'll skip most 4 a.m. games. So I, I wanted to send a letter to the Premier League. And the Bundesliga is always early. The Spanish, God bless them, they kick it off a little bit later. But I was, I was thinking about sending a letter to the Premier League. Hey, don't put Brentford 
and Norwich. Well, not Norwich right now. And yes. But those let, teams in the yes, 430. Let, let's let Brentford and Southampton play at, at 430. You know, please, please, that'd be great. You know, Burnley, if they ever play again, put them at, eight, at 430. That'd be great. <laughs> no one needs Meanwhile, to see Burnley. And no, I was never. I was watching the, the championship opener. It was Burnley Norwich. And obviously there's nothing going on yet. So I watched I watched a good 70 minutes of that. So uh, I probably watched less championship coming up. But uh, I figured that was the one time I could get it in. It just happened to be Burnley. I did watch a little Middlesbrough and West Brom because the American players. But uh, okay. it's good. I, yeah, I was going to say, yes, yesterday I caught some, I caught some, uh, some Watford Sheffield United as well. So, you know, we're, we're, we're on the same level here. Casey, this is what I'm telling you. This, this guy loves it. And and I, I got out of sequence here, but when you were talking about making it in the NBA and obviously 12 players per team and the sport is getting bigger in the world, you have these great stars coming from outside of the U.S., which is still relatively new, and making it so much more competitive. But I've always found like the NBA and these big-time soccer leagues to have so many similarities with the sport because – uh, obviously you're, you're competing to be an elite player in these elite leagues. It's a smaller group of players, but there's also um, a comparison. You know, when we think about the NFL or, or baseball there, uh, some of these athletes, you don't get to see as much. Um, they, they're not on the field or on, on the court as much as you are in other sports. We've seen it at the NFL, but the M and then there's no helmets. So these NBA players gets you, you get to know them so much more through the personality. And that's the big driving force when you watch it. And the same thing's happening with soccer. Do you, uh, do you sense some similarities there that has helped you become a bigger fan or has drawn you in a bit? Oh, absolutely. Um, I've been fortunate enough to, uh, to be able to become friends with, with a few of these guys, um, you know, between, you know, whether it's Eden, you know, Eden Hazard and Thibaut Courtois were, were good friends or are good friends. Mason Mount a little bit, um, Jamal Lascelles of, North, of, of Newcastle. But, you know, the one thing that like always stands out with them, and, you know, I've you know, been around a few NFL players as well. And they always say like, yeah, I can go anywhere. The NFL players do. They can go anywhere unless obviously it's the Tom Brady's and the Odell Beckham's. But for the most part, they can go anywhere because they're on national television. If they had their full pads on and everything, they'd get recognized. But without that helmet, <laughs> that's a bad look, really by the way. <laughs> exactly. But you know, it's 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 always funny talking to these guys about it. They um, they they feel the similarity as well. I th- I feel like you'll see a lot of uh, a lot of them on their you know they call them holiday. Uh, a lot of them on their holiday come over here and watch some basketball. And I think there's just a mutual mutual respect and understanding there of like, hey, we're we're uh, you know, kind of, I, I feel like those two sports are more similar than, than most others. I, I, I definitely sensed it. And uh, I mean, with, I get the feeling that there's going to be more big soccer fans around the NBA right now. I know it's, it's you and a former teammate, Josh Hart. Josh is always tweeting about it. I saw Jimmy Butler wearing some of the PSG garb. There's, you know, there's guys that know some of the players. Mm-hmm. What, what do you, from, from your playing time, what is, the uh, percentage roughly of NBA players that are, that are into it, that pay attention to it, even in a small level. Um, outside of the Europeans that come in, cause they're, you know, they're, uh, they're in diet, it. you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Dinamo Zagreb, they've, they're all over the place. So, um, but I'd say one, probably one per team. It feels like at least one, you know, cause I, you know, Josh Hart, Josh Richardson, Alex Caruso, TJ McConnell, 
Um, like you said, Jimmy a little bit, um, but guys are starting to see more and more. And, um, you know, I, I've, I, I think I've infected three or four guys, you know, um, just, just from, you know, f- turning it on in the locker room and not letting him turn it off, you know, pulling the vet card, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's getting more and more, it's getting more and more prevalent. I'm, I'm working on it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, Great, but that's important. I'm bringing, I'm, I'm bringing them to the light. So if it's on, some might go, Hey, Larry, turn off that. We're not, we're, I, I'm getting ready for the game. I don't need to see that. Or is it you sit, you, you, you sit with them maybe and kind of tell them, yeah, this is Neymar. This is, they, they have to see the sexiness about it. Certainly when you're seeing the premier league or champions league or something along those lines. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, obviously when the champions league is done or like you get a, you know, I'll probably, again, I'll probably leave, let the guys alone. I'm not probably not going to sit there and watch a Southampton Leicester. I'll leave them alone. But, you know, if we're getting the top six matchup or, or, you know, even anytime city Liverpool, and of course, Chelsea play like that's, you know, for me, Chelsea, but like city and Liverpool, that's really, you know, for the, for the, that's, that's, that's sexy football. Right. And they, you know, that's when they can kind of get involved and like, Oh man, all right. I can see that guy, you know, make, he made a back door and it's like, yeah, kind yes. He made a back door cut. Exactly. And like, you can, you know, start to show them, start to show them how that works, you know, the similarities and they start to pick it up a little bit, but um, you know, I, you got to keep it entertaining for them. The one O's, the, the two O's, the nil nils. That's no, that's not going to cut uh, it. That, that, that's not going to cut it for them. Meanwhile, for me, I'm chomping at the bit. I, I can't wait. You would say that was a good scoreless 90 minutes right there. I got, there's a lot of meat on that bone that I could talk about. 100%. Did you see how the, that, did you see that midfield battle? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the fact that you said, I, you, you poked fun of some of these matchups and you go, no, I will watch Leicester Southampton. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah I will and you, again I watched Watford Sheffield and you play <laughs> fantasy right so you need to see I, I gotta get back into that I, I stopped because I was like I gotta I don't want to shortchange it I want to be competitive when I do it but in order to do this I gotta I, I mean as much as I watch I gotta watch even more because you gotta right. know that utility midfield you gotta put in the lineup in a pinch because your guy got injured but that's I mean these, those are the things fantasy and FIFA among a few other things that could really ramp up the fandom. Have you, I guess I should have asked you at the beginning, what, what was the entry point for you? Um, so the entry point for me was it's the 2010 world cup, South Africa was for me that, you know, in high school sitting around watching that I played it my entire, played soccer my entire life, but never really got into watching it um, until that, until South Africa. And for me, that that Cameroon side with Samuel Eto'o scoring goals and dancing, for me, that was like the pinnacle. It's just that I could watch that. I, I have watched that entire World Cup over and over again. But, um, you know, then you go to college a little bit. Maybe a year later, I, I checked back in. I was like, hey, that guy, Samuel Eto'o, started playing FIFA with my buddies. And Samuel Eto'o, that's, who I want. That's, that's my guy. That's who I want to use. That's who I know. And at that point, that was during his one-year stint at Chelsea. Um, so it just it just coincided that uh, my favorite player uh, influenced my favorite team. That's interesting with uh, with Cameroon. I remember I was I'm, I'm going to date myself here, but 1990, and I saw Cameroon beat Argentina, and that just you know I was still very young. I hope I was still young then, but that drew me in and it just showed me that this world cup's amazing because it's not just mm. Argentina who are the reigning champs winning this. 
this plucky team from Africa is is beating them. And that just was was an incredible hook. I got I was listening because we were talking about the NBA influence uh, in basketball. And I was when I was working at ESPN, I spoke to Frank Isola, who's on Around the Horn and uh, many other shows there. And he was telling me I, Steve Clifford, who's now the coach of the Hornets, is a huge Manchester United fan or, or Sir Alex fan. And uh-huh. he said to Frank Isola once about how he used their game plan at Manchester United when they were very successful in the late 90s. And there he found some similarities to what he would do when he coached the NBA. And this is a guy who's had a couple um, ports of call, and now he's back in the NBA. I, I hope to get him on the podcast, too, because I want to know more about it. But I found it really interesting because there's so many of these ties that bind. So I tell you that I get the feeling there might be a tipping point with regards to the basketball perspective on how they – they bring in this sport and how they view it because it comes from so many angles. And yeah, you're a big fan or also you can see how one sport can help you, I guess, in right. perspective of your game. No, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Again, there's just so many, I guess in every sport you can find correlation, but to me, the, like, there's not many, but basketball and, and, and soccer, like, you know, with football, there's, you're not really moving without the ball. Receivers are, right? You know, you're not really reading, you know, one player's reading the game, maybe the linebackers or the safeties or whatnot. But on every, all 90 minutes, every single player on the pitch has to be reading something and they're reading something entirely different. And that's, that to me, that's how it correlates to basketball is like, there's no stop start. There's no, um, you know, all, everybody on the pitch, everybody on the court has to play offense and defense continuously and there's baseball no hockey i guess to an yeah hockey to an absolutely but like um some of the major sports out there there's just not that same um continuity of the game that you can just kind of get lost in watching different positions and different players um and how they see and read um how they see and read a game that's a great answer and by the way, you said you played growing up in high school mm-hmm. and uh, you're what, 6'10"? <laughs> I, I, thank you for that. No, no, I'm 6'8". Six, I'm 6'8". Six, I'm six, I wish I was 6'10". Wait, wait, there's somewhere I saw a list that said 6'10". Are, 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 you, are you allowed to claim that? <laughs> Look, in college, they in college, they listed whatever I told them to list. <laughs> <laughs> I, had to, I had to get to the NBA. Come on. Well, I will say this because there's a lot more people that are six eight to make it the NBA at six eight. Probably to me sounds a little tougher than making it if you're six ten, especially your your well, athletic skill set that you have. I appreciate it. My dad took care of took care of a lot of good genetics for me. <laughs> I don't know if I told you this before, but my I had one of my favorite highlights that they show, and I don't know if they don't show it enough, was your dad blocking Manute Bowl. And I had a, I had the newspaper clipping, the newspaper of that, and I had it on my little cork board when I was a kid. But your dad was like, was six eleven, awesome. yep, and he blocked Newt Bowl, who's seven foot seven. So yes. it was just optically pretty incredible. But okay, six eight, still very tall. So I'm sure you weren't six eight in high school, but what? You're still very tall. So I played all the way until I was about six feet, and then they tried to stick me in goal, and I. I uh did you I have switched. a did you have a growth spurt? I did, yeah, yeah. I um from my sophomore year to my senior year, I grew about seven inches. So it was <laughs> it was a large it was a large growth spurt. But um yeah, once they once they wanted to take me out of being a forward and, and try to stick me in goal, I 
uh, I figured I'd just go shoot the other round and go, go play the other sport. <laughs> that must have been nice for mom and dad that year getting you clothes, I would imagine, when you were <laughs> six foot to six foot seven. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, talk about growing pains. My knees were on fire, but yeah, it was, wow. uh, it, it was a heck of a growth spurt. And, uh, but you, you would play forward and was that, I mean, how did you see mm-hmm. your game? I mean, how did it, and maybe even to double barrel this question, which is a no, no. Uh, how did you see your game? And now as an NBA player, how did you lean into that? Because, you know, I, I you see Joel Embiid and several other mm-hmm. guys in my footwork, these other things I really benefited, uh, in my NBA career because I played soccer. So that's, that's a, that's a good question. It's actually, it's actually correlates pretty well so i i was a forward and more of a uh i don't want to put a name on it but more of a big body hold kick it to me i'll hold it up make runs around me and i'll you know you know i'll hold it up wait for my wingers to get down and i'll you know distribute and then crosses come in uh, i was pretty good in the air um but you know and that's a lot of how i play now is you know playing a lot of sec- center in the second unit um with that ball in my hands kind of like again waiting for my guards to come off pin downs or waiting for uh waiting for guys to get open you know playing dribble handoff game or or passing cutting you know setting ball screens rolling to the rim and again you know it sounds you know might sound you know cliche but you know those those crosses coming in you know it's pretty easily you know to you know to correlate that to a lob i mean it's uh you know for me it's it's it actually fits you know it fits perfect Wow, you're like the Romelu Lukaku of uh. Don't, you know, see, that's <laughs> why I didn't want to put a name on it. Okay, but that's <laughs> why I didn't want to put a name on it. <laughs> I wanted to use that as a jump because I was like, I, he's going to want to talk. I, I I told Larry, go, well, let's talk about you, but he's going to want to talk about uh the Premier League and his beloved Chelsea. Yes. How did you become a why Chelsea? So it was uh, it was Samuel Leto again when I started watching okay. watch, watching football again like you know obviously the two most recognizable names from that South Africa World Cup just from it being in Africa Samuel Leto and that Cameroon team and then obviously Drogba um, that Ivory Coast but you know it just so happened to coincide with Samuel Leto's year in Chelsea that I that's when I started watching and so from that point it was just. That Chelsea side at that point was unbelievable with Lampard, a young Hazard, um, Terry Cahill. They were just, um, just so much fun, um, so much fun to watch. And so that's how I got started with Chelsea. But now it's, uh, you know, now I've I've graduated to uh, to knowing a few of the players. So it's gotten that's cool. great. Well, your timing was good because what they won the Champions League in twenty twelve. So twenty twelve, yeah. So you 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 adopted the team and you get to lift a trophy right after. And that's the yeah, way to do it. You got to get in before they win a trophy. <laughs> that's that I did. I got in a year before, but I also took a lot of flack. That'd be like <laughs> that'd be like somebody joining City in the past three years. Like, oh, oh don't get me started. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's how I felt. But it was just like, no, truly, I just love this one player. Well, it helps the viewing uh, experience, and I did that too because I was working the Premier League and I was I was watching all the, the teams when I was at Fox, and I was like, all right, who? Uh, let's pick a team. And then I said, but don't force it. And then I, I, I let it cook a little bit. And then I saw Paolo De Canio of West Ham and go, this guy's legit. And I was a big fan of Iron Maiden and their bass player had a West Ham bass guitar. I go, boom. Oh, that's cool. So uh, they haven't given me any trophies, but uh, I'm not going to hear any, any shtick from anyone who says that uh, 
I I I came in when uh, the the good times. Although we're still waiting for the good times, but it's getting better. No, I mean, no, waiting for the good times. You guys, I mean, this past year, you guys have had some decent years. If you guys, if you can keep Michael Antonio's hamstrings healthy, you can be all right. <laughs> I also I also love that 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 striker you brought in from was it Sicilo? Oh uh, yeah, the Italian. I'm pulling up. I, it's uh, Scamaca. Scamaca. Uh, I should know yeah. these because I'm pulling my West Ham signings here. Yeah, Scamaca, who uh, is because I think that's what you, we need. Mikel Antonio, I love that guy, but mm-hmm. they need help because he's like their only forward, and he has to do so much. And I don't know if Scamaca is a legit. So it's Gianluca Scamaca, who is a forward, but can be like a second forward or a winger. And then Nayef Agud, who's um, the Moroccan defender, who I believe is injured right now. Excuse me, at the states. Sorry, bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and those are the two big signings, but I know, but this is like, I could ask you a West Ham question. You could give a real good answer. So, you know, they were hovering around the top four. I like what they did. Mm-hmm. There's aspirations. I, I bet you they finished over United. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's bold, but I, I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm going to ask watched, for your top four a, in a, a little bit later. Skamaka. I watched a little bit of Skamaka. I, I, I just like your guys' team. I like yeah. your guys' team a lot. Hey, there's there's uh, obviously Bowen. It's going to be hard for him to replicate that year. Um, yeah, he was amazing. It's going to be hard. Um, I, th- I like your guys' team. Ben Rama's a lot of fun to watch as well. They're, they're, you know, again, I I just love the game. So <laughs> there are players on every team. That it's I all like. coming out, Larry. We can- <laughs> It's been abundantly clear that you can go in there and actually start mentioning some of the, uh, the second-line guys for – for West Ham and show your fandom. But I think I, I like what they're – I'm excited to see. I think they open with Manchester City, so we'll mm-hmm. we'll get a good look early on. But um, I wish they were a little more active in the winter market when they were in that top four. They were talking about getting some help up front. And they didn't get it, and it eventually cost them. So they're going to play, play in the, the conference, the mm-hmm. UA, uh, the whatever UEFA Conference League. So that's fine, but it's hard to get excited about that in August. But – uh, we'll see how it goes because obviously a team like Roma and that got excited as it went along. Exactly. Yeah. Don't tell Jose Mourinho that. <laughs> it was in tears. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, because it's, I, I guess the, uh, let's talk about Chelsea first. And um, I know some people are a little frustrated because of after the Koulibaly and the Raheem Sterling signings, it kind of got quiet because they did lose some players. They lost a couple defenders. Um there's this Timo Werner report going out there, but it's it, it doesn't. Ha- it's hard to see how it all fits. I would imagine they need to get a little more help in the back line if they want to. They're gonna have to get a lot more help if they want to compete with Man City or Liverpool. So, how would you gauge their off season and where they stand in the big picture of things? So, again, we've lost Christensen, who isn't, who wasn't in our eleven. We lost. Uh, have we lost Aspilicueta yet? I don't think we have. No, he's still there. It, the, it, this the, is a the, weird the market. Is on the wall. Yeah, but it's the been the writing's been on the wall, wall for four months, and he's still there. <laughs> That's true. Well, Barca's trying to, you know, they're they're digging in cows coaches trying to find more money. Um, <laughs> we lost, but we lost Christensen, Rudiger, um, Aspi. We'll see. And then I think that may be it. That yeah, of course, Lukaku, um, which uh, is on loan, haven't lost him, and they haven't lost him. But you know, he. It wasn't didn't feature for us too much in the in, in the prem. Um, but we added what we we needed a goal scorer. I mean, we finished third last year 
And with Mason Mount was our leading goal scorer with 11. And, you know, Raheem Sterling is a proven, he's proven. He, he can do it at any level. He can do it at the highest level. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I, I think we got better in attack um, with, you know, Hobbert's getting a year older. Hopefully that Bundesliga tax has paid off. Um, Hobbert's getting a year older. Uh, I would have loved to see Christian Pulisic get a, get a loan move or even move clubs. Um, you don't see him, you don't see him being a featured player. I would love for him to, but he just, I, I want him to play, but I, you know, I don't hold, I don't hold much weight. Is it a Tuchel thing? Is it a fit? Thing? Is it a Pulisic thing? You think? I think it's a, I don't know. I don't know what it is because when he plays, he's, <laughs> it is frustrating. And, 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 and yeah, it's super frustrating to watch. Cause you know, I'm a, you know, I know him a little bit as well. And I just, I want to see him succeed, you know, being a fan of him and obviously go America, but um, I don't know. I, it's going to be interesting. I think our attack got better. But well, how would you see our defense it? also? Uh, our, it mean, would be Sterling, think, the, the, where they play Sterling, and obviously Havertz, and how that would all fall out. Yeah, I, I'd imagine it would be Sterling on the left, Havertz as our, as our, I don't know if he plays as a false nine or just an outright nine, but I think there should be a lot of interchanging between him and Sterling on the left. Um, and then Mount's probably going to be on our right. That's, um, your, that's the trio up top, which it would make sense. And the other guys yeah, have to that, see if they can crack into that. That's the trio up top, which, you know, then Werner's got to try to crack. Then uh, Armando Broja's got to see if he can play some backup minutes at striker, who I, who I really like. I love um, that guy. I, I just don't yeah. – because he was so good at Southampton. I'm wondering, can he do mm-hmm. it? And Gallagher's there because Chelsea's the king of loaning these guys and they go lights out somewhere else. But playing at Chelsea's a lot more challenging. Yeah. But Broja has that – I mean, it, it's – if he can play, he's got the look of a, a nine – that is perfect mm. for what Chelsea needs, but he's got to be able right. to deliver. Got to be able to deliver. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of his. Speaking of Gallagher, I, those two guys, you know, kind of, I don't want to say lit it up, but they played, you know, they played really well at, at Crystal Palace and Southampton respectively, but, or, you know, um, yeah, but I think, uh, you know, I, I would love to see us sign one more center back, get us some help. Um, and I saw we're interested in Cucurella. So I don't know what that means for Chilwell. Um there's just a lot of question marks. I would love to see one more center back. Yeah, that Kukurai is great. And, and but I was looking at 50 million, which is amazing to see where he's come. And hats off to Brighton mm-hmm. for identifying him and bringing him here. And now he's this hot commodity, which he is. Because every time I watched him, it's not just because that that bushy hair, but <laughs> yeah. he's always close to the ball and he's always making plays. So, mm-hmm. uh, but that's obviously left back is what you want. I would imagine. I I think you're you you hit it on the nail. I think that everyone else is is good enough where you'd want. You just want a little bit more cover in defense. How, if they, if let's say they don't get that help, where do you, how do you see them starting? I mean, how do you see them starting the season result wise? Oh man. I haven't, I haven't looked too in depth at our, at the start of our season. I know we start with Everton away. That should be that. Sh- I don't want to say a walk in the park, but you know, it's that, a W. Yeah, that should be, that should be three points. Um, I mean, if we get Chilwell or Cucurella, Cucurella, I, you know, I, in my America's coming out. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then Marcos Alonso on the left. By the way, it doesn't like help when the British announcers say it the way that you said it. I know. I know. I'm, I'm, yeah, I got to work on that. Cucurella. If you see um, two L's, just put a Y there. But it's not I always like that, that way. It's not always that way, but generally it is. Okay. I, you know, it's like, you know, I before E except after C, but sometimes, yeah, gotcha. 
Um, <laughs> Have you ever had to um, use I'm, that one when you're, you're, you're doing some like word processing? Yes. Like, wait a minute, it's I, I before it. E. <laughs> yeah, I used it the other day. I had to. Um, but obviously the ageless, Tiago Silva, Kulabai, like I think we're going to be decent except old, very old. Reese James is, I think he's world-class. I love Reese James. Um, and our midfield is again getting older with Jorginho and Conte, but I I I'm a major I hope Kovacic is in our starting eleven this year. I think yeah. he's I think he's class. See, you, once you look, you 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 pull back the layers, there's a lot of good and like Reese James and you know Callum Hudson Adoy, the Broha mm-hmm. and young players that might be moving into that position where look, you can't deny Chelsea's done a great job of grooming this next generation and a lot of times those guys never end up playing for chelsea because it's chelsea but yeah. it seems like a lot of those guys get a shot this time around and you're co- well, and you're you're happy about that oh i love it the guys i mean i love our academy our academy players have been incredible you know from i mean from mount to i wish we still had tammy abraham reese james um perfect example know, the guy, yeah again another guy i wish we still had for kyle tamori at, at Milan, I we we I wish we had more patience. I would take a year or two of regression to five or six, maybe four, to give to give Gallagher, to give Broha, to let them feel what a club like Chelsea feels like. So that I would love to see Chelsea do what Arsenal has done the past two years, where it's kind of like builds you know builds here's Saka he's gonna struggle early on here's Emile Smith-Rowe let's let Martin Odegaard struggle a little bit and now here we are like this kind of exciting daunting team like I would love to see our young guys get some run but it's Chelsea so I haven't picked the top four yet so I'm going to use this our conversation as an to help me create that so I'm, I'm putting the pieces together here is there something exciting for you to look forward early on in the Premier League. For me, uh, and I know I want to ask you about the World Cup a little bit later, is these, this American revival at Leeds. And I know NBC is going to play that card heavy, which they should, because we've never seen this. American mm-hmm. coach, American mid, two American, one American attacker, one American midfielder. And I'm excited, but I'm very nervous at the same time. I, I'm also, I mean, I know we, we already took a shot at United and rightfully so, but I'm I'm wondering if this is the guy. I wonder if this is the manager that I was <laughs> watching his list of things you can't do. And he's like, if you should, he's kind of like the old uh, Tom Coughlin of the New York Giants. If you show up on time, you're late. Uh, uh, no, no uh, intercourse or whatever we're going to phrase it during right. game week. And I go the whole week. I mean, that's game week. I think that's wow. what he said. I go, you play every week. So you just get the weekend? Wow, that's uh, <laughs> the day after. No recreational don't, activities. Wow. It's, don't hold me to it, but it's like it, it doesn't sound like a lot of fun, which maybe is just what Manchester United. But there's a I mean the Premier League is from first to the 15th to the 20th place team. It's a lot of great mm-hmm. stories. There's something that you saw in the offseason that tickled your interest. Um honestly, right now I'm get I, you know, Leeds being the obvious, I'm can't wait to see how Jesse handles that. Um, but my biggest thing right now is I this Ronaldo saga is <laughs> it's gold, and I watch it like it's I watch it like I'm binging a Netflix series. It's it's fascinating to see because he's 
top easily he's got he's top three top five all time whatever list you want to have him on he's got to be there um and no i don't want him I, and we need a striker in the worst way i don't interesting want him. you don't know no one really him. does that's great no, you have to he's making 100 he, i think it's he's making 510 euros a week yeah i, I believe that's come on no thank you i'm good I know. It's, thank you. That's a great answer, Larry. And it's um, it, it it's it, for all of us. I think you you feel a little weird about it. And I could see it the way you explained it because we just idolize this guy, and it's always mm-hmm. Ronaldo and Messi. And Messi's probably going through the same thing. Although he's, they both have their value for these clubs, but not many clubs can spend that kind of money. And right. maybe it's a situation where you say, "I'll play for less because I love it." I just I don't. Maybe, I mean, Messi was talking about coming to MLS for Inter-Miami, but there was a report where he would get a big stake of the team. So uh, there's always got to be money involved. Uh, Gareth Bale just came to LAFC, where the club I work for, and uh, Mm -hmm. reporting making less than $2 million. Not to say nothing to $2 million, but, I mean, this is a guy who's making 30-some million prior to that. Right. So, uh, I mean, maybe there's, there's that. But the thing with Ronaldo is I got really sad seeing these clubs saying, no, nope. And now he's kind of got to go back to Manchester United when all indicators is he really didn't. Yeah. I mean, the ball seems to be in his court if he really wants to do something different. I mean, if he if he look, he could go play for sporting if he wanted to take a pay cut. But, you know, there are there are you know, you have to go to Manchester United is breaking the bank to pay him. Otherwise, you have to go to, you know, you could, I'm sure you could go for Newcastle. Newcastle, City, uh, PSG. Other than that, nobody else can really afford to pay you. But none of those clubs want him. No, I mean, because they can't. I mean, fire. again, no, again, even with Chelsea, I, I was more optimistic about United before he got there than after he got. Even like he was banging in goals last year, and it just the toll it took on everything, everything, and everyone else. Um, yeah, I don't know if it was worth it. Love him, he's incredible, but yeah. But it, you know. it's it's more than the money. I think there's a there has to be a belief that if he comes here, we have to reshape everything mm-hmm. around him because it's Ronaldo. And what am I going to tell him? Hey, you may not start this game because we're going to press a little harder or what have you. Right. We're, we're gonna we're gonna play someone else, and uh, that's got to be tough for coaches. And I saw it with uh, uh, Pochettino. I mean, there was a one time when Messi was there early on. He pulled him out. And he had to have like this two minute conversation with yeah. the guy. And mm-hmm. go, that's not the way that's the last thing coaches want to do to have to explain these decisions. Right. So it's, a, it's just a mess. It's a headache. Okay. So we're, we're making some headway here. You already said United's not going to get in there. What Chelsea. Okay. Let's say, well, Man City, Liverpool, those are the top two still. I mean, they were incredible in the off season with what they one added to one and two city, Liverpool. I, I think, I think if you pulled the world, you'd come out 99% with those two at one and two. Yeah. That's two. I mean, is there a club that can, I mean, Chelsea will be one of Spurs can kind of push them a little bit. Maybe I don't necessarily love what they've done. Um, I'm not as high on Richarlison as, as most um, obviously keep, you know, Kulisevsky and Betancourt in the January window were, were terrific. Um I don't know. I, I think they're. Then they got what Langley from 
It was some um, nice, some nice uh, complimentary some pieces. Nice, some nice squad pieces, but I, yeah. I mean, it, here's how I feel about this. Is how I argue with my friends about you know an Arsenal fan and a Tottenham fan. If you look, who from Tottenham and or Arsenal makes the Chelsea eleven? And very obviously, it's Son and Kane, clear one and two. But I don't know who else. And I'd be willing, you know, I, I think there's competition for spots. But, like, I just, from Tottenham, I don't really see the quality outside of those two. And those two are world class. But, you know, I don't really know who else from Tottenham. If you want to say maybe maybe Hoybier, but our midfield's pretty dang good. And that's, that's um, a bit of a push, but I do like him. But, yeah, I, yeah, I would – that's wow! You you've gone next level with this, th- these these <laughs> means <laughs> to come up oh, with I, your standings. Yo, yeah, no, I uh, I I get, I, I deal with Arsenal and 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 Spurs fans, so I, I I've got ways to shoot. Yeah, I've got ways to put them down. Who are, who are the worst? Who are the ones that make oh, you roll your eyes? Oh, United fans! <laughs> they're the oh, they're the they're the they're delusional like they genuinely believe they're a top four team they you know they one buddy thinks that they could challenge liverpool for second like you know this year uh, this year he just i don't know they're delusional they're delusional so i i kind of i lean in with you spurs there was a little flurry of excitement obviously antonio conte gets a a little more time there to, to build it in his vision and that's going to make them a little bit dangerous. But uh, Kane and Son have to have another big season. Kane obviously has to have a much better season than he had. Mm-hmm. Still a class player. But, um, yeah, I don't think it's ready. And there's probably going to be a big gap between the top two and, and third. Is Chelsea Chelsea the escort for those top two, at least for some of that run? Um, for No, I think I think Arsenal's the escort for some of that run. I think their, their lead up into the World Cup is a cakewalk. Um, so I think they, they could be Arsenal's gonna be one, two, or three going into the World Cup. Their 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 schedules um it's a walk in the park. But I think, you know, they're it's a long season. I think they fall off to fourth or fifth. But um yeah, I mean again, all, Arsenal it, drops it, to it, fourth it, or fifth Arsenal by the end. Arsenal drops to fourth or fifth by the end. Um all you know, all biases. I I'm bi- biased as could be, but I think Chelsea's gonna finish third, not necessarily close to the top two, but third. Um and then again, coin toss, Tottenham Arsenal, I, I think it's gonna come down. It's gonna be like last year. I think it's gonna come down to like last two game weeks and and uh we'll see from there. So you have City one, mm-hmm. Liverpool two, Chelsea, Chelsea three, three, Spurs Arsenal, um, toss your coin. Spurs, Arsenal, toss your coins. Yeah. <laughs> no room for West Ham just yet. Maybe just below that. Um, I could I could see sixth okay. as United takes seventh or eighth. All right, I'm doing my – I'm going to do four. I was trying to get cute and put Liverpool on. I love Darwin Nunez, and I know they won the Community Shield, but I can't – City is – by the way, I mean, this whole Holland stuff, someone had to write an article this week. Oh, Gab Marcotti, I was reading an article this week saying – don't judge Erling Holland based on one game, and that's what's that's what's happening. He had a stinker in a shield game, and already people are saying it's a bust. They pay too much. <laughs> no, I mean the dude scored eighty six goals in eighty nine appearances in the Bundesliga, and even though he even though he had a stinker, his xG was still like one point five something in that Community Shield. 
this dude, do I think he's going to win the golden boot? No, but he's going to be damn close. They still have all those, you know, they still have all the pieces in place and yeah, it's going to be, I, I, I'll, I'm not going to get cute, Larry. I'm going to go. So I'm going city, Liverpool, Chelsea. Ah, put, I appreciate uh, that. I'm going to put, yes. I'm going to put West Ham in fourth place. There we go. I'll be oh, a little, I love, I love little that. cute. Good. Glad I we could agree to that. that. Yeah, I, gotta, I love that. I'm going to ask you about the world cup, but it's, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting when you, when you talked about the Arsenal schedule and how they're going to go into the world cup and then everything's going to change, you know, mm-hmm. to stop that, play this competition, there's going to be a market, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be a disappointment coming back. There's going to be guys that aren't going to be revved back right away. And that's going to make every league so hard to predict or per- per- individual performances so hard to predict. But um, ah. I mean, that's going to be a seismic. It's going to be weird. I mean, we're all going to stop for the World Cup. It's going to be very strange to pick things up. Uh, and that, that may be the biggest issue about the World Cup. I'm warmed up to the fact that we're going to have a winter World Cup. I'm actually excited mm-hmm. because it's something to look forward to now that the summer is winding down. But I, I think it leaves a mark on these leagues for, for a little bit, at least the end of this season. Right. And what, what I'm potentially, I think the potential, it has potential, which I'm really excited to see how it plays out, is how a Villa or a West Ham or even maybe a Newcastle, a, a, you know, teams that aren't going to have as many as many of their guys in, in the World Cup squads, how hopefully they could make a jump. They could make a push. Like if City, I know they, you know, if, if West Ham go to City game, game week one after World Cup, like those guys are going to be tired. Those guys are going to be tired. So like I would love to see ground made on the big six um from from the clubs you know around the outskirts i would love i would love it i gotta so nba season you'll have preseason when the nba season begins early november Uh, around uh preseason's october so yeah late october november how are we gonna watch world cup games here larry early in the morning and still (laughs) maintain (laughs) oh if if you think if you if you think I am not gonna watch those games, I look that I'm gonna have that built into my contract this year. <laughs> it's like, wait, wait a minute, let me read that again. Yeah, exactly. I will yeah. from two again. Again, this will benefit you because uh, West Coast first kicks are two a.m., five a.m., mm. eight a.m., eleven. So it's three hours, five eight. That's that's doable, and that's, you can slide right into good. practice. Slide of practice or roll into uh, what do they call the Pelicans Arena now? Smoothie King. Smoothie. Oh, they've always called it that. The smooth. I got to get down there, man. I, I I haven't been there since I was in college. The atmosphere is incredible. It's it's we got that place jumping, and we didn't even have Zion back yet. It's going to be a lot of fun this year. So we will be watching the World Cup, and may, I think maybe you're going to have to have a long chat with your wife, obviously. About this. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's, yeah. it's a month. It's a month, but we'll get through this. Obviously, we're all talking about this U.S. team, and a lot of people are excited and expectations. Um, the bar is being set high. Some of it's being tempered. You've seen these guys. You've seen a few of them play in the Premier League. How excited are you, or how do you see this this campaign going for them? Um, I can't. I, I can't wait. Um, I can't wait. Honestly, like I think it's going to be. I think what I'm hoping is like. You know how the like the, earlier this week the England women just won you know their first trophy in however many years and like 
that is going to kind of have an effect on generations of young soccer players, soccer admirers, just like Brandon Chastain and Mia Hamm have done with this women's world cup team with Alex Morgan and, you know, the whole crew, right. I'm hoping I've got my fingers crossed that if we can get, make it out of the group stage, just make it out of the group stage. People are going to be so excited. Say we, Say we say take it, a, say, say we say say we take a point off England, right? Say we you, say we draw, say we draw, say we. Beat. I thought you were going for all three for a second there. Uh, I could I could see it in your face, but you'll. We'll, we'll, we'll I'm cautiously it. optimistic, but um, say say we do that. I think we might be able to have a moment like that, where in t- eight, ten, twelve years, we have some of our better athletes. Not to say that they're not great athletes, but we have some of our um, you know, some of the guys that, that may, you know, that may have played basketball or football or um, a, a more popular sport here in America, looking at soccer and saying, that's a real feasible option. This is, this is a cool, a cool sport to play. Um, if we can just make it out of that group stage. And it's like when those, when kids make a decision and obviously you were one of those uh, at 13, I mean, we always hear about the, at 13, 14, they make that connection. There's, a path mm-hmm. for an NBA or NFL. There's money to be made. Soccer, I don't see it, but maybe they see it now. Certainly with, with right. these players playing in Europe as well as having World Cup glory, that's got to have clout. So uh, I'm with you, man. Uh, and I can see it because it's not crazy far-fetched. It still would be something incredible to get there. And it's a young team, so I got you got to be a little bit cautious, but it's definitely, right. definitely attainable. Have you – well, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Uh, I was going to say, we just need a moment. Need, need a moment. A moment. I think we're we good. For, a, I think we have we it. A, we need an 80 minute, 80th minute Weston McKinney header against England to put us up one. And now we park the bus. We need a, we need a moment or, you know, just some, uh, you know, a Christian Pulisic run that just, you know, is can be showed over and over and over and over, you know, it's, it's going to be on ESPN. It's going to be, you know, anybody watching anything is going to be, it's going to be that moment of glory for United States soccer. I think, I think it might. I'm hoping it it shifts our ties a little bit. Do you have a pick to win it? Is there some team that? I mean, it's early um, and you have to look at the bracket. But is there for the romantic in me? The romantic in me, I it says Argentina. I want Argentina to win so bad. That's the that's the best story. And I've told people Lionel <laughs> yes. Messi and Argentina. And it, it won't be Messi winning it, but he will. They'll yes. win it because of the team. But that would be incredible. Uh, that's the best story of the bunch. So it's a man who knows his soccer, Larry Nance Jr., the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm going to wish you all the luck. And if November 25th, you hear an announcer on TV say, Weston McKinney with the 80th minute header to tie the (laughs) game, you will remember where you heard it first. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, me, I don't know if I'll remember. I'll be blackout. <laughs> well, just check the schedule. Make sure there's no you don't have a road trip in Detroit or anything, and we can roll it out. You, it's you, you hit it's the DL my, for that it's one. It's in my schedule. It's in my schedule, <laughs> or it's in my contract. I've, 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 we've been over this. It's in my contract. Oh man, Larry, it's just great to talk to you. And I know the people listening here are going to be thrilled to see this because uh, so often it, it was inaccessible to think of players mm-hmm. in, in different sports. And we, JJ Watt, I saw him with Men in Blazers that are are excited about the sport that soccer fans are excited. I know that makes a big deal for them. So we appreciate you jumping on here and chatting with us here in the business end. 
Of course. I appreciate you having me on and I'll, Hey, look, I'll keep spreading the good word. I'm, I'm, I'm getting the game out there. It's important work. Larry Nance Jr. here as we'll step aside. We'll be back with stoppage time after this. Time now for stoppage time where we're talking about the Lionesses, the England women's national team winning the Euros, uh, living it for the first time. The Euros have been around since uh, 1984. It was a competition no one really paid much attention to. There has been a rise in more European women's countries making the Euros more compelling because prior to that, it was the teams you figured. You know, Norway used to be great at the sport. They've obviously fallen off that that high standard. But I think there were 13 auditions or 14 Euros since 1984. And Germany won eight of them. It's all good for the women's sport. You can't have the USA continue to win the World Cup. And you can't have Germany continue to win and Sweden win in Europe. In order for the sport to grow, you need... Bigger results across the board. More diversity in results, I guess you could put it. But uh, this was a very important tournament. And, you know, when I had Lori Lindsay on and, you know, I didn't watch uh, as much of the group stages because the women's game is not there. It just didn't have the competitiveness. It didn't have uh, the tempo, the cadence of a big competition that you would see in the group stages of the World Cup or Euros if it's the men. Now, when they got to the quarterfinals... Something changed. And just based on that quarterfinals, you could make an argument this was the best women's tournament ever. You had the euphoria about England playing at home. And, you know, they had 87,000 there at the final in Wembley. They beat Germany in extra time. Uh, Very competitive games throughout the quarterfinals. We don't see that in the World Cup. Some games are, you know, the result beforehand. But we really didn't, even though the favorites did emerge. You know, England... To me, should have been eliminated in the quarterfinals. They got very fortunate. Uh, didn't get a call against them in the equalizing goal against a Spanish theme, team that, uh, to me, was right at the top of the list of great storylines. So as we're here in stoppage time talking about England's triumph, the best part about this is what it means for the world game. Not just for England, but they're part of it. And obviously, this is going to be well-received. So many, and it already has been well received. The TV viewership, 17 million tuned in for that final. In 2009, when Germany beat England, it was 1.9. So there's, there it is. You can tell the standard is better. There is talk about getting the, the women's soccer league, the women's premier league, essentially, away from the FA, much the way the men did, and get independent uh, partners and contractors and advertisers which could really help the women grow we've seen all the growth there's interest watching it on tv there's interest going to see this there are good leagues that are run very well and by the way um as we as i tape this this story about the nwsl one of the partners that is a cryptocurrency going belly up and many of the women not going to get paid so there's a lot of crap that they still have to deal with now the women's sport gets to grow not because You're doing a solid to the women involved. It grows because there is a demand for it. And I think for the the first real time, we've seen it growing the last few years, there is a demand worldwide. And England, with all the resources they have, with all the resources that the men already have that you can possibly parlay for the women with regards to stadium, TV deals, etc., 
England's a great winner for that, and they're going to help the world game in so many ways. So the tournament was fantastic. And when I spoke to Lori Lindsay, who joined us, check out the Lori Lindsay Soccer OG podcast from a couple of weeks ago. Check out the entire library. It's all there for you. She said the 2023 World Cup in Australia and New Zealand is going to be the biggest women's sporting event ever. And after seeing these Euros, it's hard to even make an argument. It's going to be. And that's because of the competition. And England's put their hands up. Germany's kind of back. They hit a bit of a bad rut. You got to put the French in there. Obviously, Sweden, even though they were smashed by England in the semifinals, absolutely put Spain in there. And maybe you put um, who am I? the Netherlands. And you couple that with the United States and Canada. And possibly, you know, some good things developing in Brazil, in South America, Brazil and Colombia. We'll see if uh, Australia and Japan can maintain a standard. There's enough teams there to make Women's World Cup exciting from the groups to the knockouts. There's still going to be some mismatches. There's no doubt about it. But you can see we're trending in the right direction. If you get competitive games in the group stages, game changer. So England leading the way. And they were remarkable. Uh, Serene Wiegmann, the Dutch coach, taking over and putting this team on a path. Same starting 11 throughout the tournament. Really uh, remarkable as they kept it close to the vest. I think you would like to see more options and substitutes and uh, alternate lineups, I should say. But England were able to be a very resourceful squad, and it, it worked. They had the one scare against Spain, but really untested in here. Although, it, we shouldn't say untested. Spain tested them, and certainly the Germans did. And the Germans have a, a claim because of a handball that was not called. Everything's coming up. You need the right people in charge to help build the women's leagues, to help build these tournaments. And this was a good launching point because the best countries reside in England. Uh, pardon me, in Europe. Uh, you would see in North America, you don't have that. The U.S. team carries the banner with the Canadians. And in the rest of the world, it's the same situation. Europe have a group of teams. Their participation is key. So um, I think it just could not have gone much better. Obviously, you want to see the 87,000 happy. Everyone, every dignitary, every men's player seemed engaged and was thrilled to be able to cheer for their country. Um, I will say I don't like the comparison to the men's game. And, you know, people saying this is the first time in 56 years since England's lifted a major trophy. I go, look, I think it's, it's good for both the men's and the women's game to keep those separate. Because, yeah, they play the same sport, but these are very different. And we kept seeing it a lot. And if you're comparing yourself to the men's game at this stage in many ways, the women are going to lose. Because the money's where the men's game is at. And I thought it was a little less than sincere to say, hey, we won the first major trophy because the England men who won it in 1966, the World Cup, the, the competition, the England women, you, you cannot compare the two. It's just a disservice. And it was, it's not necessary. So I hope we get away from that because it stands on its own merits, the women's game. There are people lining up to invest, I can tell you. And the, the players are now seeing a pathway so that they can make money in this sport it's still not where it needs to be but it's moving there and we've had so many success stories the champions league final where different clubs are starting to emerge although you still have big bad leon and it's uh it's a very positive outlook across the way england are stirring the pot too and 
I, I think it was Lucy Bronze who said it. And this is another thing with comparisons that I was, it, it just didn't fit right for me. And they said this Euro victory is much like the women of the United States winning the 1999 World Cup. I mean, there's a bit of a revisionist history here. Again, one's the Euros, one's the World Cup. Very, very different. Very, very different. We did have that Chloe Kelly moment where she took the jersey off and had a sports bra. People reminding of Brandy Chastain. That was a wonderful moment. But those comparisons have to stop there. Less comparisons. England, again, can sit on its own merits. They have all the talent. They got a great coach. They got the backing of a country. And now it's up to those to build off of it. Because we've seen in this sport, when you get a moment like this, U.S. men and U.S. women, we've seen it. You've got to... Hang on to it. You got to, as long as you can, because maybe your hand comes off of it at some point, that enthusiasm, but you stretch it out for as many months or years as possible. And I think England have a really, are in a really good position to do that. And I don't want to dampen any of the enthusiasm at all. I just don't like the comparisons, but that's it. I like everything else and I'm pumped and I, I wish I watched more. I did watch the, the, the quarterfinals on. I mean, there were some games where the goals were hard to come by, but the England path was uh, exhilarating to watch and very deserved winners. So congratulations to the Lionesses. I was pulling for England, but after they won, you get all the it's coming home stuff. You're like, yeah, 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 hey. <laughs> no, no. It's hard to pull for England. I like their men's team and I like their women's team, but... It's hard to pull for England. We'll leave it at that. The Soccer OG. Rate, review, download, subscribe. Tell a friend. Appreciate all of you listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week. We'll be at the MLS All-Star Game, and we will be recording a pod from there. It's always a great place to network, and everyone's there. I don't know what exactly the pod's going to sound like, but it's going to be different and interesting. That's coming your way. As we always like to say on the Soccer OG, Placido Domingo.